The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 118. Today is Sunday, December 9th, and we're coming off a crazy week of MMA news. Last week, we had a lot of MMA action. This week, we had a lot of MMA news. We had an awesome pay-per-view card from Toronto last night. Before we jump into all that, let me introduce the other people on the line with me. I hope you guys are enjoying this new format where we kind of bring in a, a, a third party every week. So today we're joined by an Instagram curator, let's say. Oh, um, that, that's, that's, a very, that's a very nice compliment of you. Thanks very much. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but all right. <laughs> so if you can't tell, we're being joined uh, from someone across the pond. Let me introduce the curator of UFC News Official, Simon. Simon, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me. This is actually my first podcast uh, in terms of MMA, so I'm so psyched to be doing this, actually. Yeah, All I, right. I love this medium, so I'm so down to get ready and start talking about this absolute amazing week of MMA. By the way, guys, just quick, can I swear on this? Or Yeah, we actually have a quota. You have to swear a certain amount. Uh, Thanks fuck for that. That would have been <laughs> the hardest thing to do. <laughs> especially for this card, especially for the Gunnar Nelson fight, I would have been like, holy heck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Simon, we're glad to have you, and we can uh, we can break you in uh, on your podcasting debut here on MMA on the Rocks. Uh, before we go any further, let me introduce my co-host all the way from snowy New Jersey, and a happy early birthday to Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling this Sunday morning, my friend, or Sunday afternoon now, I guess. Thanks, dude. Um, well, Bill, it's not snowing yet, but it's fucking cold in New Jersey. So there's that. It might as well be snowing, Jeff, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Uh, if it's cold enough to snow, then there may as well be snow. So we'll call it snowy New Jersey. All right, let's uh let's jump right in. I I don't really even know where to start here because there was so much emotional news that happened over the past week um i i don't want to start things off on a negative note so let's start with ufc 231 from toronto canada and this was just a, a fantastic main event i think a lot of people were concerned whether or not this thing was going to come together just because it fell apart a few times and max holloway had some issues making weight and we were concerned about his health and there may have been some you know some concussion issues there but uh, i think once he made it on the scale I, I think everybody breathed a big sigh of relief and we knew this thing was finally going to happen a lot of people went really back and forth as far as you know how this fight was going to go i i feel like the vibe amongst the mma community was that Ortega was going to take this one. He seemed unstoppable. He was coming in undefeated. He only has the one blemish on his record that was, uh, you know, a win that was overturned because he he tested positive a couple of years ago. Uh, I know people get annoyed when that gets brought up, but, you know, it's there. It happened. So, um, <clears throat> but 
man, what a one-sided, masterful performance by Max Holloway. I think a lot of people, because of the health issues and everything like that, they forget how good this fucking guy is. Um, and it was just unbelievable. He he was throwing, you know, a lot of people are making the Diaz brothers comparison where he was throwing his punches at like 40, 50%, but just kept whipping them out there and the volume and the way he's able to mix things up. He's able to go to the body without even changing levels. He just whips punches, uh, you know, into the gut. And, and then he's able to come right back up to the head. Uh, it was really awesome to watch. Really beautiful for performance. Uh, I'll start with you, Simon. Uh, what were your impressions of the champ in the main I'm, event? Here? I mean, the biggest thing that impressed me about Max Holloway in this fight is his fucking takedown defense in this fight. Everyone, like, honestly, I predicted Max Holloway via decision for this fight. Mm. I went against the grain. Uh, a couple of people that I spoke to on the old Instagram uh, were telling me, like, you, how can you predict Max Holloway for this fight? You know, Ortega's an absolute beast. He's just going to take him down and choke him the fuck out. And I was like, dude, Max Holloway is undefeated. Well, he's been undefeated for years on end for a reason. And mm -hmm. in this fight, he displayed that he can handle ground, especially Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters. His takedown defense was insane. Like, there's a there's a moment in the fight that just absolutely blows my mind when, you know, Ortega is going for Max Holloway and Holloway looks, you know, he looks wobbled a little bit mm -hmm. and Ortega jump, tries to take him down to the mat with a double leg. Ortega just shugs it off. Ortega tries to jump on his back for a rear naked, shugs mm -hmm. him off as well. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, this guy has come into this fight prepared. Mm -hmm. And that just displayed that entire fight displays why. Max Holloway is arguably, if not the greatest heavyweight of all time, because the cardio he outweighed, he outdid Ortega. The mm -hmm. amount of power he's got in his punches for a 145er is insane. And just the level of strikes that he's able to produce is impeccable. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was really an impressive performance. Uh, I, I was favoring Holloway before this fight because of the fact that Ortega gets hit in his fights very often and the guys that he was able to knock out, he had a huge reach advantage over. So Frankie Edgar, most recently he knocked out clay Guida. Uh, but I, I believe he was losing the clay Guida fight before he was able to knock him out, but he was able to use his range to, uh, to put him away. And he's definitely got power. I mean, he caught max a couple of times and clipped him, but he just couldn't keep up with the pace. As far as the, the, uh, the takedown defense, Max Holloway has always had really good takedown defense, somewhere around 60%, which is which Ooh. is really impressive. And then Brian Ortega only has a 14% uh, takedown rate going into this fight. So he's not a takedown guy. Uh, when, he, when he submits people, it's usually like jumping guard like he did with Cub Swanson or, you know, he gets taken down. Um, you know, this is the problem when you have really high-level jiu-jitsu, but you don't have wrestling so if things aren't going your way on the feet uh your only option is to pull guard and um you know i think max holloway panicked a little bit in those grappling exchanges you could tell he really didn't want to be there uh but he was really awesome at scrambling and, and getting out of them jeff let me get your take on this main event here well well first of all i i gotta i gotta admit when i'm wrong bill because i had jumped a little bit on the ortega train part of it was he knocked out frankie edgar you know how big of a fan i am of his mm -hmm. and also you know it was part of i haven't seen holloway fight in a while uh there were the health issues 
You know, we've talked about how big he gets when he's out of competition. Mm-hmm. And but then you reminded me of something, Bill, and it was part of it was the Ortega um beating guys with shorter reach than him. But also, Bill, you got I gotta think of Jose Aldo here because people are so quick to write him off just because he lost to Conor McGregor. But here's the thing. After that, the only people he lost to were actually the only person he lost to was Max Holloway, and that was twice. Bill, you only beat Jose Aldo once in this lifetime if you're lucky. You beat him twice if you're blessed, and the best is blessed, Bill. So, <laughs> dude, um, super impressed with Holloway. Um, you know, th- when you take away all those uh, health issues leading up to the fight, once that cage door closes, it's a different story, man. He puts it all together so beautifully. His cardio is ridiculous. Um, dude, he could have probably gone five more rounds in there with, with Ortega and Ortega just, you know, Holloway's footwork was way too much for him. The switching of the stances, uh, like you said, just, uh, um, so much volume in his punches. I mean, he was in Ortega's face all night and Ortega just did not have an answer for him. Um, he couldn't cut angles the way Holloway did every time Ortega like turned to kind of hit him. Holloway was around him already. Holloway was somewhere else. So, um, on the feet, he looked outstanding in the grappling exchanges. Um, I thought Ortega would be a little bit more dominant Holloway, you know, like you said, he didn't want to be there, but he didn't look like he was in danger at any point. Um, when he was getting his back taken, he immediately turned to face Ortega, Mm -hmm. which is not the place you want to be. You don't want to be under Max Holloway ever. And I believe it was the third round, the end of the third round where Ortega tried to jump guard on Max Holloway. And, as soon as he like got his legs up, he put his feet back down because mm-hmm. I guess he thought about it and he was like, you know what? Probably not the best idea. But um, dude, Holloway, it was a master class, dude. If you're, you know, an upcoming MMA fighter, watch this fight. Watch Max Holloway go to work. Yeah, Holloway doing a great job, uh, not only with the takedown defense, but staying postured when um you know, when Brian tried to jump guard. And how about calling the finish? When he put, when he pointed at him and he said, "You're going down in this round," and then uh, Ortega couldn't answer the bell for the for that fifth round, the, the doctor had to step in. So I mean, he probably knew about that when he was uh, at when he walked to his corner for mm-hmm. that fight because he, that those like last 20, 25 seconds of that fight, Ortega was just not doing anything, yep. and then he clipped from from what I remember, he clinched him up, and mm-hmm. then he was just going to town on Ortega and he was done at that point. He wasn't, he wasn't defending himself. And if that fight, that, that is the epitome of safe by the bell. Cause if that fight had gone on for another 10, 15 seconds, the ref would have had to have walked in anyway. So you're glad that, um, that the ref stopped. Well, the doctor stopped that fight. Cause if that would have gone into a fifth round, that would not have been a pretty fight. Even Dana White in the post fight interview uh, press conference said that he's glad that the doctor stopped that fight. Cause if that went on even longer, you, you're thinking longevity-wise, fight another day, Ortega. You know, you're still a knuckle-comer. You're still young as fuck. Just, mm-hmm. you know, just take the L right now. Come back even stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a, the, the thing that does impress me about Ortega, though, is not only his toughness and endurance in that fight, but, you know, he's boxing. You know, a lot of people have kind of up, upped it about, you know, how he, um, he uppercutted, uh, uppercutted Frankie Edgar. Like well, he's boxing in here. <laughs> uppercutted. <laughs> Yeah, he went like his his boxing. It really impressed me tonight. How because he, he's known as a jiu-jitsu guy, he's always yeah. 
promoted as this jujitsu masterclass, mm-hmm. but he's there and he's got he's going with with Holloway. You know, he's going uh, punch for punch with Holloway. I'm not, I know Holloway outclassed him, but he was still there. You know what I mean? He wasn't just yeah. standing there taking punches. He was throwing some fucking bombs himself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Ortega's got some striking, and uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what's next for him. I think uh, there's some interesting matchups for him at 145 there. Uh, I don't know how much longer Max Holloway will stay at 45. You know, he's had some issues uh, with making weight. I know Tony Ferguson called him out, which would be an awesome matchup. That would be like a dream fight right now. Uh, oh, yeah. So th- there's a lot of fun things for both of these guys in the future. I think a Jeremy Stevens brian Ortega fight would be awesome. Uh, or an Aldo um, Ortega fight. Yeah. I mean, I, I want Ortega to go to 155. I mm-hmm. mean, I know that he's always he always got slapped for the weight cut, but I uh, for for weight issues. And I, I I can't remember any time before the Khabib um, matchup where that where that got brought up. I don't know if you guys know about that at all. Like, is it is the weight mm-hmm. uh, concerns with Holloway only surrounding that Khabib fight? Yeah, and there there was also when he was supposed to fight Ortega the last time, it wasn't clear oh, okay. whether it was a weight issue or if it was a concussion issue. Um, they, they said they're investigating it and they gave some, some fluffy PR responses to that. Oh, anyway, okay. let's move on. Um, uh, I'm going to start with you first on this one, Jeff. So the co-main event for the women's flyweight title. And I said last week was the uh, inaugural flyweight championship because I forgot that Nico Montano even had it for a short time. Um, <laughs> yeah exactly so uh valentina shevchenko coming away with the decision over yoana Yo- jacek i thought it was a clear victory for shevchenko but i don't think it was as one-sided as the commentary team was making it out to be i was a little disappointed in that i usually don't have the volume on when i'm watching the fights or i have it very low but uh, I, you know, I was just home watching it by myself last night, so I had it on a little bit, and I, I really thought it was a little biased towards Shevchenko. I don't think Joanna was doing as badly as they were making it out to be. Definitely, she got the better of the grappling exchanges, but I thought Joanna did great at sticking and moving. She got in and out quick. Uh, she was really utilizing her jab, and, and she was moving really well and cutting angles, and I, I thought she had a speed advantage in a couple of those rounds. Um but you know the commentary team disagreed. So uh, let me let me start with you, Jeff. What do you think of this fight, Bill? I'm gonna be honest with you. First off, this fight was amazing. It was uh, you know super technical. I I'm glad that we saw some uh, ground exchanges as well, which Shevchenko just dominated. Like Joanna's usually really good at just popping back up. She was not doing that against Shevchenko. Shevchenko did such a good job of distributing her weight and just pinning down Joanna's chest and shoulders, and Dude, um, I'll be honest with you, Bill. Um, my heart wanted Shevchenko to win, but I'm going to have to rewatch this one because I think there can be an argument made for Ioana and Jacek. I think the last two rounds, uh, she really turned up the pace, man. She was looking the way Shevchenko was looking in the first two rounds. And uh, I think the end of that third round could be kind of a toss-up. But uh, Joanna just picked up the pace, man. You could tell she's been in there in those championship rounds before. And Shevchenko started to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure. yeah, and I could see um, probably the grappling towards the end of the fourth and fifth rounds where Shevchenko uh, had side control on Joanna. Maybe that won the fight for her. But for me, I have to watch this one again, man. I, I think it, that this was super, super tight. I think this was razor thin. I don't think um, a, a unanimous decision for Shevchenko tells the whole story here. 
Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a very competitive fight, much more so uh, than it seemed. Uh, Simon, let me get your take on this one. Well, I'm, I must say, um, I, I somewhat disagree um, in that sense because, honestly, I, I can't see a, a point in this fight where, you know, Shevchenko didn't look like the dominant, um, dominant fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, every a basic striking uh, principles that she did in that fight was they throw one, you give them two back. You know, from the first round, Joanna had was was being respected by Shevchenko, but the way Joanna went into that fight, it was almost like she didn't necessarily respect Shevchenko in that first round. She was just kind of feeling the route. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll see what you're gonna do, and then I'm gonna crack you, and then, but then from the second round onwards. Joanna looked like a completely different fighter from what I was looking at. She looked like, oh shit, this is gonna go. This girl's gonna give me a hard fight, you know, because Joanna's one of those fighters that she get she gets out there either really quickly or she's the dominant fighter, and she kind of struggles under that adversity. Um, I don't know whether that's an effect from kind of a complacency in 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 being that dominant champion that she was before Rose knocked her out in round one, and whether that's whether there's some effects from that because we've seen that before with fighters where. They get knocked out, and or they they take a loss, they take a big L, and they're never the same fighter again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, for my money, um, this fight, Shevchenko looked like the dominant fighter, and I give her the win with um, a unanimous decision in this fight. Um, and yeah, her technique is absolutely perfect with stand up, and I was so surprised with us with a with a ground game as well. I did not know Shevchenko had a ground game. You know, I I try and keep up with every fighter in the UFC, but it's just impossible uh, in this day and age because there's, there's every fighter and their mom is a fucking champion <laughs> these days. You know, they've either got an interim belt or I don't even know anymore. So it's um, it's hard to keep up with everyone's game. But yeah, I am super um, super impressed with Shevchenko tonight, and um, I hope Joanna can kind of go back down to strawway if the cut's healthy for her. Um, the cut, you know, it's a fucking bad cut for her. There's that. Did you see that? Did you guys see that video of uh, Joanna cutting that weight? Yeah. yeah. And she's just, oh man, it, it breaks my heart seeing fighters have to go through that. And yeah. uh, it, it absolutely breaks my heart watching her do that. So, you know, if she can do make the weight, but do it healthily, then yeah, mm-hmm. go back down to straw weight or just wait for the flyweight to, um, flyweight division to build up, you know, build yourself up more, do whatever you got to do and then go for that Shevchenko fight again. But yeah, yeah, overall, I'm super impressed with Shevchenko. But no, 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 no credit taken away from Joanna in that fight. But yeah, hands down, Shevchenko wins that fight. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, um, some some great, great points. points. And, uh, and uh, I'm getting a little feedback here. Uh, okay, there we go. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, Shevchenko's grappling is definitely underrated. She actually has more submission wins than knockout wins in her career. Uh, and she's got some notable submission wins over, uh, really highly touted grapplers like Juliana Pena arm barter yeah. off her back, uh, in the UFC. So I think I like Joanna at flyweight. I, I would like to see her adapt to this weight class a little bit more. I think she looked really healthy. She didn't look as drawn out as she usually does as straw weight. Um, I think it's a good move for her. I don't, see her rematching Valentina anytime soon. Uh, you know, it was a clear victory for Shevchenko, but I just think it wasn't as one-sided as as the commentary team was making it out to be. Uh, well, I, I mean, to be yeah, fair, that happens every fight. That That's the way. Yeah. That, and that, that is a criticism that I think the UFC commentary team could look at fights. You know, every, every time they watch a fight, it's mm-hmm. almost like 
they almost pick a winner within the first 30 seconds or, yeah. you know, within the first round anyway. Because yeah. then, yeah. and then as soon as, say, for example, the guy that they're not backing wins, they're like, yeah, this guy, you know, he had, he had a tough start at the beginning, but then he really came through and he showed all this. And I'm like, dude, just try and be unbiased in that <laughs> sense. And I think I think it kind of comes from, um, you know, they're very opinionated people, the uh, the commentary team. Uh, especially, um, you know, when they've got other fighters on there, they have, they do have personal biases in that sense. And uh, well, just from my take on commentary, there should always be kind of like an unbiased in that sense. Yeah, and yeah. try and call it down the middle and say, right, this guy's doing this really well. This guy's doing this really well. Oh, you know, I, I like the I like the organic reactions that they have when fucking Joe Rogan goes crazy. But at the same <laughs> time, they shouldn't just sell a guy out just straight away. You know what I mean? Because uh, a lot of the times you can call Joe Rogan out on some of the shit that he says in the moment. And yeah. Sometimes, especially if you're a professional commentator, then just leave that to one side and leave it for the podcast. But yeah, for know. sure. I think he's definitely got, um, you know, over the last couple of years, especially it's starting to, um, you know, he's starting to get a little carried away with that. I can do whatever I want and say whatever I want. And, you know, some people find it, uh, annoying, especially people who are really into the sport. And, you know, at, at the same time, he's still, brings in a lot of people um so anyway uh i want to i want to keep things moving here so uh a real fucking face melter of a fight gunner nelson and alex Oliveira. um i don't know if cowboy Oliveira has a face left after gunner nelson squeezed all the blood out of it and he has a face but no fucking blood in that head <laughs> and one of the and one of the most uh, gruesome finishes ever. The still shots of this finish and, and the blood just being squeezed out of Cowboy's face is something out of a horror movie. So I started with Jeff on the last one. Simon, uh, I'll let you I'll let you uh, take the reins here. I mean, dude, what is like if you have not seen this fight, just go watch the fight. You know, no, there's no way to describe the absolute bloodbath of this fight without actually seeing it. This is an epic fight if you are a person who enjoys blood fights or you like watching highlight reels in that sense just watch mm -hmm. the second round of this fight because oh my lord this is like this is a horror movie as the ever said on commentary this is an absolute insane matchup um big props to Oliveira for this fight just fucking hell dude the <laughs> shit that these fighters go through it is insane uh gunnar nelson fucking awesome fighter as always and uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what he does next uh where do you go where is he ranked in the um in the in the rankings do you know he's up there eight or nine somewhere around there eight or nine yeah um oh wait hold on i'm just googling live on air as you do uh, <laughs> 14th fucking hell oh all right Maybe. shit well um, you gotta remember it's a really stacked division and um you know yeah I mean, I but I, you know, I'd like to see a, I'd like to see him going forward, maybe like a, uh, you know, a Cerrone, a Neil Magny, maybe a Masvidal or Maya fight somewhere like that. That would be going forward. That would be a fucking great fight for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jeff, let me, uh, let me get your take on this uh, really gruesome scene that was Gunnar Nelson and Cowboy Oliveira. Yeah, man. I mean, they're gonna have to just get rid of the of that octagon because um, there's a blood a gallon of Oliveira's blood all over that thing. Which, by the way, I didn't see all that blood in the the couple of fights after. So good job to the cleanup crew who got rid of that stuff. Um, 
but dude, Gunnar Nelson's a fucking animal, bro. And I kind of forgot about that same deal uh, with Holloway because of the inactivity uh, for a while. Nelson, I think he hasn't fought in like a year, year and a half or something. But dude, Gunnar Nelson is really well-rounded. Black belt in jiu-jitsu. His striking is really solid. Um, I thought this was a pretty bad matchup for Oliveira, who's known more as a Muay Thai guy. And dude, um, I was a little concerned at the at the end of the first round because Gunnar Nelson was going for a really half-assed leg lock, and Oliveira didn't even bother to get out of it. That's how um, that's how safe he felt in that leg lock. But dude, once Nelson mounted Oliveira, it was a different world. Um, I think Oliveira did a good job of defending uh, against submissions, but then. Gunnar Nelson just started dropping those vicious elbows and one hit Oliveira right in the right in between the eyes, dude, the kill shot. And that's where he was leaking um, blood from. And I don't I don't know if we've talked about this before, but if you cut somebody on the forehead for some reason, it just they bleed a lot. They just yeah. gush blood, uh, which perfect example uh, from last night. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that that elbow, I'm glad you brought that up that man talk about. Talk about vicious, uh, Gunnar Nelson. I mean, he showed off. He showed off his grappling in the first round when he had Oliveira's back, um, and he kind of angled off weirdly with the body triangle. And he said after the fight that he that's something that he does uh, very often, and guys aren't usually able to roll out of it. But you know, still very risky because it puts a lot of pressure on the ankles when you're trying to hold that body triangle down and um you know an explosive guy like Oliveira was able to roll out of it uh really awesome back and forth first round and man that ending i i can't say enough about it it was just it was just so gruesome and beautiful at the same time <laughs> i can't understand why gunner nelson didn't get a performance bonus uh you know hopefully they throw him a little something on the side as they they often do uh i, I don't know if we mentioned earlier but max holloway getting two bonuses so Holloway and Ortega got fight of the night. Max Holloway got performance of the night. And then uh, Tiago Santos got performance of the night. So let's skip over Hakeem Dawadu and Kyle Bokniak for now. I will return and talk about that fight um, because it, it was very interesting, especially the decision. But uh, let's talk about, I, I think, the most explosive energy on the entire card. And that was uh, Santos and Manoa. Jeff, I know you said last week on the show this was the fight you were looking forward to the most. Uh, give me your thoughts on this just fucking clash of the titans here that we had. <laughs> Bill, I told you that this fight wasn't going to last long. And it, it needed less than six minutes, man. Um, I loved it. Tiago Santos, as soon as the bell rang, he was going in there to kill Jimmy Manuel. It was great. And, um, you know, every now and then, you know, as much as I love the technique of the martial arts, sometimes I just want to watch two guys beat the fuck out of each other. And that is what I got. So Santos rocks Manuel with like his first punch and then Manuel he's covering up for most of the round. And towards the end, Manuel starts throwing a couple of shots that really clip Santos. Um, and, you know, they go to the ground for like a second and then the round ends as soon. And dude, these shots were wearing on Manuel, man. You could see that he was getting tired. You could see him folding up, covering up a little bit more than he usually does. And then as soon as the bell rang for the second round, Santos just went in there and finished the job. Bill, I know that we've shitted on him for that Mjolnir tattoo, but you can't you can't question Mjolnir, Bill. You don't get Thor's hammer on your chest without meaning it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think after taking 
five fights in the last calendar year. He's only one of, I think, eight or nine fighters to ever do that. Uh, you know, Tiago Santos, definitely a fucking warrior. I love him at 205. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's he's breathing some life back into this light heavyweight division, which we always say, you know, was really fading, is really dry for a while. All right, Simon, let me hear your, uh, your take on these two monsters that clashed last night. As the old saying goes, this was a man's man's fight, this was. This was ball to the wall from the first bell to the last, well, to the end of the fight. This was just a fucking awesome fight to watch. And a great way to kick off the fucking pay-per-view. This is this is the way that you should book a pay-per-view fight. You have a fucking awesome kickoff to start with, like the heavyweights or the light heavyweights in this case. You know, mm. gets the people excited, gets them sit tight, especially for us international viewers who are up till like 3 a.m. watching these fights. You know, yeah. we need somewhere to get that adrenaline pumping. And, oh, shit, this got the, that adrenaline pumping as well. feel bad for my guy, Manuel, who fights out of England um, to lose this fight. I had him I had him booked uh, to win this fight, and I, I predicted Manuel to win. But, um, yeah, Tiago Santos, man, one of the fucking beasts. Like you said, you don't get um, Force Hammer tattooed on your chest for nothing. And uh, <laughs> he sure, sure proved the doubt was wrong and uh, proved why he went through. he went through that pain to get that fucking tattoo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I don't think Manoa loses any stock here. A after that first round, it could have been either one of these guys yeah. going down. I think it was going to be whoever landed the next clean shot uh, because it seemed like both of these guys were almost put away in the first round. So I think uh, people will still be excited to see Manoa in his next fight. And great point, Simon, about kicking off the, the card like that. I think that's really a great strategy to put two bangers leading off so people, you know, if they're purchasing the pay-per-view, they they can feel like comfortable, like, okay, I made a good decision. You know, I'm already getting my money's worth here. Uh, so great point there. Uh, let's go to, and then things kind of slowed down. We needed to kind of, you know, calm back down again after this one. And I think that that's what happened with uh, Hakeem Dawadu and Kyle Bokniak. Um, you know, it, it was an intense fight. You know, these guys were in each other's face. Uh, Dawadu fights with a real chip on his shoulder. I think he really feels like he has something to prove, which is really admirable. And Kyle Bokniak is a guy that's just never going to go away. He's just always going to be in your face. Uh, so, Simon, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. What are your thoughts on Dawadu and Bokniak here? I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bokniak. Um, or however you say his name. That's my bad. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a sucker to try and pronounce. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, um, not a little, little bit of bias because when I was, when I was like really small on Insta, he like, liked my post and stuff like that. And I messaged him. So, you know, he's got a little soft spot in my heart, uh, Bosniak and, um, yeah, I always live watching him fight and, uh, I just suck to see him lose here. Uh, but yeah, another good fight. Like he always fights. Um, I was actually surprised to, to learn that he's at, he's in his early thirties, mm -hmm. which I'm like, Whoa, I thought this kid was like young and up and coming like early. Uh, like mid 20s kind of and i was like shit because i've always had this guy down as like yo this kid is the next real deal this kid's gonna wear uh, this guy this kid's gonna be like a top five someday yeah um but yeah man he he, I'm, he's, he lost to um zabit last time out which was an absolute awesome fight and uh -huh. i was sitting there thinking to myself dude i want you to get a win here because then i want you to have an awesome 2019 but it is what it is as the champ says so, uh, yeah, it was a yeah. good fight overall anyway. It was an entertaining fight. Um, but, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it, it's kind of sad to see Bokniak didn't come away with a win here because he keeps having these exciting fights and, and coming up on the short end of the decision, uh, which, you know, will only take you so far. I mean, obviously, people are looking forward to seeing him fight after his fight with uh, Zabit, but you know, you don't want to be the guy that's always in exciting fights and losing them. So hopefully Bokniak will get it back on track. Um, and it, it looks like Dawudu has a, a bright future as well, too. Uh, you know, high-level Muay Thai striker uh, coming away with the win. I don't know why this was a split decision. Uh, I'll defer to you, Jeff. Uh, this was uh, a very clear victory for Hakeem Dawudu. I, I don't know why. Uh, one judge would have given it to Bokniak. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he liked their social media posts too, and they had a talk for him. Uh, but I'll defer to you, Jeff. What were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, dude, Dawdu looked good out there. Uh, looked like he went in there and got the job done. Uh, but Kyle Bokniak, dude, he's such a tough guy, man. And like you said, he's exciting to fight to see to watch fight. And I'd like for him to get a couple of wins, just because you know, for him, you know, he's he's a good fighter. Um, and and I've seen sparks of brilliance in his in in yesterday's fight. Um, for example, in the first round, uh, Daudu Bokniak made him miss, and then immediately changed levels. And just it was so beautiful the way he double legged him in that first round, dude. So well timed, um, man. Uh, you know, I think Bokniak just uh, I think Daudu just had his number yesterday. But but you know. I don't think Bokniak loses any stock here. Um, you know, Dawudu, he's a tough dude. His striking is really, really clean. Um, you know, I, I was impressed with him his first time out. Um, I, I I don't think he's well-rounded enough yet in this featherweight division to make a splash yet. He needs to add some grappling into his arsenal, man. He got put on his back way too easily last night. Um, not to take anything away from Bokniak again, but... Dawudu, his striking is good, but that that one thing is only going to get you so far because these top guys, Bill, they can all grapple. Chad Mendez, um, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, Eddie, Frankie Edgar, they can all grapple, man. And if Dawudu doesn't add that to his arsenal, he's going to get eaten alive by those guys. Yeah, for sure. Already has a submission loss uh, under his belt in the UFC. So uh, we know that's a weak spot there. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see as he moves up the ranks of this featherweight division uh, how how he handles, you, you know, some of the grapplers there. All right. So uh, for the sake of time, because we have a lot to cover, I'm going to kind of breeze over the prelims here and I'm going to let you each choose a fight that you want to break down. I'll start with Jeff and then we'll go to Simon. So uh, Nina Ansaroff getting it done over Claudia Gadelia, who I think was heavily favored in this fight. Uh, I don't really know why it seemed like Claudia couldn't get past that jab of Nina Ansaroff and close the distance enough uh, to land some shots. You know, there was a, a length discrepancy there. She wasn't able to get inside and get a takedown either. Gilbert Burns, a dominant grappling performance over a very high level grappler and Olivier Aubin Mercier really impressed by Gilbert Burns and his, his ability to control Aubin Mercier, you know, wasn't able to submit him, but the fact that he was able to control the grappling exchanges the way he did was just phenomenal. Jessica, I getting a split decision over Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, this was a Really, really close fight. I didn't know whose hand was going to get raised here. And then Elias Theodoro in a really uh, kind of snoozer of a fight against Eric Andrich, who's usually uh, very exciting. So, Jeff, four fights. Uh, I'll give you the first choice. Which one do you want to break down, my man? All right. Um, I'm going to talk about Jessica I versus Caitlin Chukagian because, Bill, this was razor thin, man. I'll be honest with you. 
uh, I thought you I thought Chukagian actually won this fight. Um, but Jessica, I doing a good job of pre of pressing forward. Um, but dude, she just, I felt like she couldn't, I feel like she was missing uh, like a half step to win. I felt like Chukagian was doing such a good job with her jab and keeping Jessica I at a distance. And even when Jessica I was trying to wrestle, Chukagian was going for like Sayanagi's and, and ending up on top when Jessica I went for the takedown. So I don't know, Bill. I don't know if Jessica I really won this fight, dude. Yeah, it, I mean, it was close for sure. I don't think it would have been a robbery either way. But yeah, it was definitely razor thin. I didn't know whose hand was going to get raised. I was kind of leaning towards Chukagian as well. But Jessica I getting it done and called out Joe Rogan for looking at her butt, which was kind of awesome. Uh, so Simon, out of uh, Ansaroff, Gedalia, Burns, and Mercier, I and Chukagian, Theodoro, and Anders, which one of these piqued your interest the most, my man? Um, The fight that really piqued my interest was the Burns fight. Um, I'm a huge fan of Olivier, or however you say his name. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of his, and I was really looking forward to seeing this fight. Hometown guy, and uh, I was really looking forward to watching him fight. Uh, I'd never, honestly, I'm, I'll put it out there. Never heard of Gilbert Burns before. I'd never seen him fight before. I don't think, uh, or to that effect. If I had seen him fight, it hadn't been a memorable occasion. Um, mm -hmm. But dude, I'm super impressed with Gilbert Burns tonight. Um, I'm just really ashamed that. Olivier didn't come away with the win, and it's been a really nice thing for him to do in a in his home nation of Canada. But um, yeah, dude, Gilbert Burns was an absolute beast, uh, and there's nothing you can say more about it. Um, I feel bad for Olivier because you know he had that really really good performance of the night uh, earlier on in this year, where he had an mm -hmm. awesome fight on that Khabib fight on that Khabib card um, where he fought um, Quinta. But then mm -hmm. he lost. He lost the decision the last time he fought, and then he's lost this again to a decision. So he's in the kind of he's in the same camp of Bosniak, where you know he's had awesome fights uh, mm -hmm. in the past, but now he's just kind of losing those decisions. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he just needs to kind of reevaluate what he's doing. Maybe it might be a um, you know a camp change, or maybe it might be that he's kind of slacking on certain styles that he's working on. I don't know. But yeah, man. I'm super impressed by Gilbert Burns tonight. I was just looking through his stats not too long ago, and uh -huh. he's, only, he's only lost three fights. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, dude, he's he's, been, he's on a fucking tear. Probably up, probably going to be up and coming in 2019, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, Gilbert Burns definitely one of those guys who flies under the radar, but I don't think he will anymore after this dominant performance over uh, all that mercy. He actually has submitted Cowboy Oliveira before uh, some some very pronounced wins and, and the guys he's lost to in the UFC. I mean, he got knocked out by Dan Hooker, but you know, Dan Hooker's knocking everybody out and he'll be fighting uh, next week, which we're going to get into in just a minute. Uh, I want to breeze over the early prelims of this card as well because uh, there were some really awesome finishes. I'll, I'll just touch on two of them, but uh, pretty much all finishes uh, on the early prelims here. Brad Katona putting Matthew Lopez to sleep with a really unique variation on a rear naked choke. I can't even begin to describe it to you. If you didn't catch that one, you have to Google it. And he put Matthew Lopez unconscious. And then a nasty knockout from Diego Lima, who's been quiet for a long time, of Chad Lepreez in the first round. He just hit him with a really wide hook and, and put him to sleep. Uh, so two guys going to sleep in very different methods. Uh, so those are my two fights from the early prelims that if you missed those, go back and check those out. Um, so now we're done 
looking backwards. We're going to look forwards because we has an awesome fight card coming up next week. I mean, it's just nonstop here from the UFC the last couple of weeks, and we're going to keep going strong uh, into the new year, I think. So fight night on Fox 31. Uh, this is going to take place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, of course, hometown to the Pettis brothers and, and, uh, Duke Rufus's gym, uh, headline, Kevin Lee and Al Iaquinta. This is a rematch. Uh, and wow, just an awesome fight. These two guys, since they have fought last have both been through so much, obviously, you know, Iaquinta fighting for the title, Kevin Lee fighting for the interim title, uh, and both of them coming up short. And now they're meeting again here. I think this is an awesome matchup. Uh, Kevin Lee, one of the most dynamic wrestlers in MMA. Uh, and, and I say that meaning he's one of the best MMA wrestlers out there today. And Iaquinta, just some of the sharpest hands, uh, in the division for sure. Um, I'll start with Simon on this one. How much are you looking for this main event? Dude, I am super pumped for this fight. Um, Kevin Lee, awesome wrestler, as we've all seen in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, he's just, his fight against Barbosa, it's, it's legendary now for that one clip where he got, you know, where he got clipped and he did his, yeah. little, uh, he did his little dance. I mean, <laughs> yo, everyone always memes that, but I'm like, I, I don't just see a meme. I see like, dude, this is a guy who does not want to, Go and go to his back, and I mean, fuck it. Like this guy's a wrestler. What if he, you know, he gets dropped down? He plays a bit of possum, grabs Barbosa, who's well. To be fair, Barbosa is a jujitsu. Uh, I think he's a brown belt in jujitsu. Um, if anyone wants to uh, fact check that, but yeah, dude, that I mean, I just see that fucking meme, and I'm just thinking to myself, dude, that is a guy who's who's hard as nails. But um, and he's coming up against a guy who's also hard as nails, man. Who gave Khabib a good showing on on like really really short notice as well. Um, I think everyone kind of undersold Iaquinta in that fight, um, just because you know we got the promise of that kind of that big cock tease fight known as Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. Then we had a juicy fight in Khabib versus Holloway, and then mm. we got Al, Al Quinta, which you know in comparison doesn't really make sense. But now I think Iaquinta's got a stage where he can kind of show off that you know he's just not a replacement guy. He's just not. He's not just playing third fiddle. He's actually an actual contender for that title. And um, I think this fight is going to get a lot, a lot of promise. And, I mean, people are saying it's it's uh, Iaquinta can lead too. And I think Iaquinta won the first one via decision. But I, I'm, I can't remember that in recent memory. So I assume that's probably years and years ago. Maybe like 14, 13 maybe. Guys <laughs> weren't even ranked. Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, pretty close to Iaquinta coming off the ultimate fighter. Um, but yeah, great point. Two guys that just have no quit in them. So this is going to make for an awesome main event. Let me get your take, Jeff. Yeah, dude. So Simon, you are correct. Barbosa is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Ricardo Almeida at the moment. But um, <clears throat> dude, Kevin Lee versus Ali Quinta. Um, the first time they fought, you know, Kevin Lee was a, he even says it himself. He was a kid, man. He was a cub in this game. And, you know, I feel like Kevin Lee has just evolved so much. Uh, he's starting to mix things up really, really well. Um, and after his loss to Tony Ferguson, I kind of, uh, I kind of put him down a little bit because, you know, obviously Tony Ferguson's a tough dude, but Kevin Lee's a tough dude too, man, and he proved it when he beat the shit out of Edson Barbosa, man. Uh, it was an absolute dominant performance. Um, 
it was pretty scary. I think it was it was pretty scary um, when you consider that <clears throat> Habib Nurmagomedov did something really similar to him. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Lee, such a good wrestler, man. Uh, his ground and pound is really, really vicious. Um, I think we're looking at a different fight here. Ali Quinta, no slouch either, um, going toe-to-toe with you know, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov on one day's notice and after preparing his whole camp for a three-round fight. He went five rounds with, you know, a guy who dominated Conor McGregor, who almost uh, separated Michael Johnson's shoulder from the rest of his body. So, dude, this fight is going to be really, really good. Um, I don't know, man. I don't I don't think this one goes to a decision, Bill. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see these two rematch after having gone through so much. And you definitely can't mention Iaquinta without mentioning him stepping up on short notice against Khabib and, and being able to go the distance with him. Very impressive. Uh, but what else is impressive is the fucking rest of this card, which is yeah. stacked. I'm going to give you each uh, the opportunity to pick the fight that you're looking forward to the most, one of my favorite games. But I'm just going to read off some of the matchups here. Edson Barbosa and Dan Hooker in the co-main event. That's going to be fucking fireworks. Sergio Pettis in his hometown against Rob Font. That's going to be great. Uh, Bobby Green and Jakar Close. That should be a banger of a fight. Jack Hermanson and Gerald Mearshart. Awesome middleweight fight. Uh, Give me 10 minutes, guys. Yeah, you got it. And uh, awesome middleweight fight between Hermanson and Mearshart. Two guys who... What the thing they have in common is they were both TKO'd by Tiago Santos, unfortunately. Um, but uh, both can strike and both have grappling. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Jessica Rose Clark and Andrea KGB Lee. That should be a really uh, awesome fight uh, in the women's MMA. And Bye, guys. here's the one that's the real sleeper on this card. Jim Miller and Charles Oliveira, two of the best grapplers of all time. Uh, in the UFC, I think Charles Oliveira just broke the record for most submissions in UFC history. And I, I think, I don't know, he has like 87 submissions in the UFC, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's an accurate stat. Uh, so, Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, which fight, aside from the main event, uh, if you can only watch one of these, which one are you tuning in for? Oh, man, Bill. A lot of these are really, really interesting, but I'm going to have to go with Jim Miller versus Charles Oliveira, dude. Jim Miller, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and Bill, you know me. I always got to root for the guys from Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but Charles Oliveira, also a black belt in his own right. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think his uh, jiu-jitsu is just amazing. So I'm looking forward to a really, really good grappling match between these guys. Um, you know, and as someone who trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I've always heard that Jiu-jitsu in Brazil is a lot different than jiu-jitsu here and how we train it. So I'm really interested to see that style matchup. And then on the feet, I feel like Charles Oliveira, him being on the feet only serves to get him to the ground. Whereas Jim Miller, he can fight on his feet. He can, uh, you know, he's got a couple wins uh, through knockout and Dude, this is going to be really interesting, man. It's going to be interesting who can implement their game plan first. And I really, really hope that this goes to the ground, Bill. I really want to see uh, what these guys can do to each other on the floor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, usually when you have two really high-level grapplers, it end up being a boxing match. <laughs> but uh, That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to see this one go to the ground as well. It would be awesome to see these two. I would watch these two in a straight grappling match. All right, Simon. Uh, besides the main event, which fight next week are you looking forward to the most? Simon, you're muted, pal. Shit, sorry. Um, yeah. 
I have look at dude. The, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Barboza versus Hooker, great fight. I know it's kind of easy pickings, um, because it's the co-main event. But dude, this is a fucking awesome fight just on paper. Um, everyone kind of glosses over Barboza because that lightweight division is so stacked. But everyone's seen that highlight of them of him doing that really awesome hill kick, and you we saw in the Khabib fight as well. His taekwondo is awesome. Um, the Kevin Lee fight as well, great fight, um, as we, we touched on earlier uh, when we talked about the main event. And unfortunately, that got stopped by doctors. But, you know, this guy's no one to slack on. Th- this guy is a great stand-up artist. And we touched on earlier, he's great on the ground as well. But then we shouldn't write off Dan Hooker either. The guy's on a four-fight four fight win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a performance of the night under his belt. And he wins in a number of different ways as well. He's got submission game, but he's also got round one knockouts against some really, really well-known people. So this guy is a really good all-rounder coming against a guy who's also good on the stand-up and on the ground. So, dude, this is going to be, if you're an MMA fan and you, you're you not just a casual and you like the technique, you like looking at the styles and you like the clashing of the styles, this is going to be a fight for you. And this could be a fight of the night contender on this card. Yeah. I mean, looking up and down this card, there are contenders for fight of the night uh, all the way up and down. You know, it could be you know, card of the year here uh, with these matchups. But, uh, you know, you never know how these things are going to play out. It could be a bunch of bunch of snoozers. But I'm definitely looking forward to UFC on Fox uh, from Wisconsin next week. That's going to be awesome. And then also next week we get some Bellator action going on. Um, the, the way the cards are laid out are a little bit confusing. So on Friday night we have Bellator to 12 and that's going to be taking place in honolulu hawaii the uh, first mma event to take place out there since rumble on the rock uh for those of you old school mma fans if you've never seen rumble on the rock uh go back and check some of those out that was when you know bj penn moved up to fight leota machida uh anderson silva was on there uh you know some really classic fights on rumble on the rock and uh you know, we haven't really seen MMA out there since then, but uh, the main event is going to be awesome. It's a rematch between Brent Primus and Michael Chandler. Uh, Michael Chandler, uh, one of the top lightweights in the world. A lot of people uh, made the argument that he was the best lightweight in the world, um, you know, back when he was the champion. And when he fought Brent Primus last June, I believe, it just ended in like a freak accident where he got caught with a, a low calf kick that just kind of shut his leg off. It hit it hit some nerve damage or something and he could only stand on one leg and the ref had to stop it. Uh, Brent Primus has not fought since. Um, so that was in last, I think that was June of 2017. That was quite a while ago. Um, so Brent Primus been out of action for a while, but he is still undefeated and he's, he has the belt. So this will be an awesome uh, rematch between him and Michael Chandler. And then uh, you got on that same card, you got Frank Mir and Javi Ayala uh, and, you know, a couple of other guys. I don't know who they are. And then before I defer to you guys to see if you're looking forward to Bellator, the next night, uh, confusingly enough, is Bellator 213, also in Honolulu, Hawaii. I don't know if this is just a misprint or what's going on with Bellator, but uh, some good fights, though. Alima Lay McFarland's going to defend her championship, uh, her strawweight championship against Valerie Letourneau, uh, you know, former UFC veteran. So that should be good. Leota Machida, 
is fighting Rafael Cavallo. And then the fight I'm looking forward to the most on Bellator is, is part of the welterweight tournament, and that's Neiman Gracie against Ed Ruth. So, of course, the jiu-jitsu phenom Neiman Gracie against the wrestling phenom Ed Ruth, uh, who's been knocking out all his opponents. Uh, this should be a really awesome fight because Neiman Gracie, 8-0, uh, seven wins by submission. Only one person's even made it to the third round with him. And then Ed Ruth, of course, one of the, the best wrestling prospects to ever enter MMA, uh, you know, broke all of Phil Davis's records uh, wrestling at Penn State. And he's just been knocking people out and he's making the move down from middleweight to welterweight. So uh, that'll be an interesting debut. Um, Simon, are you interested in any of the Bellator action coming up next week? Unpopular opinion. I don't watch Bellator. Um, All right. <laughs> not because, not because, okay. The, okay. I, I've had this conversation with people before when they've said to me, oh, how can you not watch Bellator? Man, it's so awesome. It's better than UFC. And I'm like, dude, at the end of the day, I, just, I like, I like watching fighting, but um, ever since I've started up this, like this news page that I got on Insta, I don't have time to watch other fights outside of, outside of MMA. You know, I'm always I'm I'm always keeping up with MMA uh, with uh, UFC action. If there's a yeah. big Bellator fight, you know, I might watch it. But dude, I just don't have the fucking time. Yeah. I have the time to watch other other than UFC. Um, and because I only report on UFC news, there's mm -hmm. no point in me really keeping up with it from that. So I don't have an incentive to watch it. Yeah. And I don't have the time to watch it. Thus, I don't watch it. Like I said, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it it's um. It's getting harder and harder. I imagine it's even harder for you because if there's a Bellator card, you got to watch it like three o'clock in the morning. I would be like, fuck that too. I would, I would like maybe watch the highlights on, on social media or something. Jeff, you looking forward to any of these Bellator matchups next week? I'll be honest with you, Bill. Um, I am really not looking forward to the first card, which is on Friday, Bellator 212. Really don't care for it. Um, Brent Primus, Michael Chandler. That's probably the only fight I really care for. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bellator 213 is actually looking really solid, dude. Uh, it looks like King Mo is coming back into the cage. He's going to fight Liam McGeary, former light heavyweight champion in Bellator. Um, I believe he, he is English, but he fights out of... Uh, the tri-state area at the moment. Uh, really tough, dude. Uh, he used to train with David Branch, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Alima Lay McFarlane. Uh, I think it's awesome that she gets the headline in her uh, home of Hawaii. Um, Neiman Gracie versus Ed Ruth looks really, really uh, great. That mm -hmm. is uh, one of the – it's part of the welterweight tournament that uh, Bellator's got going on, which is weird because Rory McDonald, if I'm not mistaken, is still the champion. So I don't know why we're even doing this, but whatever. Um, and, Simon, I, I – you know, I don't blame you for not watching Bellator, man. Um it's getting harder to be a fan with this stupid the zone shit they got going on where you can only watch it mm -hmm. for like if you have 10 bucks and I refuse to pay for the zone. Um, it, it's Bellator. If you're listening, come on, man. I'm trying to trying to throw you a bone here and you're you're making us look bad, man. Yeah. We, we've tried to revive Bellator so many times. I would I would never say it's a better product than the UFC, but you know there there was definitely a lot of potential there, and I think the PFL is probably taking over that second place spot, uh, especially the, with their the one championship yeah. coming up. Yeah, one championship. Um, you, you know they're making some good signings. We got to see uh, what they do with them, and if they if they make some 
some interesting matchups or not. Um, they yeah. seem to be throwing a lot of money around. I, I don't know if it's going to touch down here in the States. It hasn't caught on yet. Uh, I know it's big over in Asia. Um, I, I don't know. I imagine it's pretty big o- over in Europe as well, but it just hasn't caught here in the States yet. Um, so bef- before we wrap up, Simon, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned how, you know, you only keep track of the UFC news and, you know, I follow your Instagram account obviously. And I see Aww. that you're always, um, you know, you're always on top of the news, which is, it, it's impressive because there's always so much going on. I never keep up with anything. You know, my whole thing on here with MMA on the rocks is I kind of sit back and let other people break the news while I have a beer and then I react to it. Uh, <laughs> It's just kind of, it's just kind of my thing. It's what Jeff and I do here. We're not breaking the news. We're, we're enjoying the news while we're enjoying some adult beverages, but how do you, how do you find uh, the time and, and um, you know, how do you keep up with all this stuff, especially when, you know, the UFC obviously is based in Las Vegas, you're in the UK. uh, So when this news is breaking, obviously you're posting about it, but I mean, you got to be up all hours of the night. Uh, to keep up with this stuff. So uh, to boil it down, the question is, how do you keep up with all the breaking news in the UFC? To summarize, it's a fucking hustle. That is the only way to summarize it. Um, On my lunch break at work, first thing I do is go on my phone, what's happened, post about it. Um, Luckily, the time difference to like the East Coast isn't too bad. So like, you know, on my on my lunch break, you know, it's like nine o'clock in the morning for the East Coast. So a lot of the news outlets kind of break any break any news that they got, any kind of sources. So as soon as they get that, I'm straight on that. Like, okay, let's get that news out there. Let's get some let's get the people knowing what's happening. Um, making my content interactive in that sense, because you know, I do have a lot of people from Europe who are subscribed to who follow me on, on Instagram. So, you know, I'll do like polls about UFC, I'll do opinions, I'll reply to comments, just even if there's nothing going on, I'm always trying to do something. So it's that dedication to the grind of always trying to be on top of the news. In terms of staying up for fights, um, that's a hustle unto itself because, you know, a fight will finish at 6am in the morning and I'm, and I'm live posting it. And then I've got to go to bed. I'll, I'll, I'll even, I'll sometimes even stay up and watch the post-fight press conferences. So I won't go to bed when everyone else is waking up. I'll sleep for a few hours, wake back up, start my day around midday on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fucking hustle. Like I tried to do it for this fight, but I fell asleep because I'd been rock climbing in the day in, in the in yesterday, and I ached all over. I was like, okay, you know what? I'll have a, I'll have a nap. Slept for twelve hours. Missed the entire fight. I put out. I said to all my followers, "Sorry, I didn't cover the fight, you know, but I'll cover the news that's coming out since." Yeah. So it's like it's that hustle of just always trying to be on top of the news, and the hardest thing to do as well is always remain incredible. Um, one of the things that uh, I always struggle with and I always hate on Insta is um, biases from people mm-hmm. uh, on different accounts. So like my biggest pet peeve is like Connor and Khabib fanboys. Uh, they they do my fucking head in. You don't, you, don't, you don't even know. You know, I still get people commenting, Connor is king. King of what? <laughs> Khabib is the best. Uh, uh, lightweight, yeah, but not pound fan. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like, I hate it when people jump on bandwagons, and that is my biggest pet peeve in MMA. Fucking bandwagon jumpers. That, oh, that grinds my gears to the point like i'll get people commenting to me yeah connor's still the best though because he did all this i'm like 
yeah, he did that. He hasn't done it since. Like, <laughs> are you just what? Are you just re what watching reruns of 2015, 2016? It's nearly twenty nineteen, bro. Um, <laughs> there's that, yeah. and then there's remain incredible. Um, so try like I always like any comments that I'll do. That's all me. But then any posts that I do, I always try and just say this is what's happened. This is the fact of all. That's what's being reported. Anything else? That's that's opinion. That's being theorized. Uh, trying to always do credible sources as well. So um, for me, my um, my philosophy in this is I'll check at least three news sources before I post a piece of news mm-hmm. because, you know, you get a lot of news that runs about that you don't know what's going on or it's just hearsay, um, which is a which is a struggle that I have when I when yeah. I first started off. You know, I'd just check one main source or one, one news source and then, you know, it'll come out, that's fake, that's wrong, that's fake. You know, yep. and it still happens now. Also, I'll still sometimes people, a lot of people will report news and it's fake and I'll, I'll get comments and people yeah. will say that's been misreported. That's not how it is now. Sure. And I'm like, okay, that, you know, uh, this post is like two hours old. Okay. I'll take that down. I'll post up a new one saying previously, yeah. I reported, da, da, da. you know what I mean? So like I said, it's consistency. It's the dedication that, you know, I'm five, maybe eight hours behind sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just got to stick to it and do the crime because if you ever want to kind of grow into a an actual news source that people want to rely on, mm-hmm. this is the, this is the this is the um the the advice I give to accounts that message me mostly uh, when they say to me stuff like, you know, how do I grow as a as a news source or how do I grow an MMA news account? Just say consistency, dedication, and be nice. That that's it. Dedication, consistency, and be nice because mm-hmm. you know. There, there was this guy that commented and asked me about it and he had like a hundred followers or something like that. And I was like, okay, you're posting regularly. You're doing it there. Went to his comment section. Someone criticized some fight. It was like, fuck you. Couldn't you fucking did da, da, da. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like you want these people to follow you. They want, they want people to care about your opinion and you're being a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, be nice. You know, have your opinions, but just say it in a nice way. I go for sarcasm. So, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kill him, kill him with sarcasm. I'm a fan of that strategy. Um, so I that sounds like a lot of work, and um, I, I'd prefer to leave it to to guys like you to do that, and I'll just be here to comment on it when the news <laughs> breaks. But um, if you <laughs> if you want to keep up with the breaking news, please go to Instagram and follow Simon is at UFC underscore news underscore official simon thanks for uh joining the show and um you know making your podcasting debut here with us at mma on the rocks you're very much welcome anytime i'm going to come back it's fine and i'll i'll be definitely down as long as the time difference isn't too bad because i've probably just woken up (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll try and keep that in mind so cheers simon if you want to get a hold of jeff and wish him a happy birthday tomorrow it's at animal underscore wilson on twitter and you guys of course know how to get a hold of me it's at mma on the rocks everywhere on the internet there was a lot of negativity in the news last week but we try to stay away from that uh if you want if you want to see what i've been saying about all the bullshit that's been going on in the mma media uh you can defer to twitter because that's just that's the space for all the negative shit we try to keep things positive here that's all we got until next week cheers everybody goodbye